glad you all made it. I'm interested to see how many people come in at 930. And also interested to see how many people have decided that they'll do the second service now. We have that Sunday school time in between. They may go check out the second service. It'll be interesting. So turn your Bibles, if you will, Mark chapter 6. I'll get there in a few minutes. That in mind, let me uh, get some pictures up here. Um, you know, we're kind of going through the Israel trip. And, uh, yeah, that was it, I think. Yeah, that's it. This is a, we are on top of a, a thing called Mount Arable. And this is right next to the Sea of Galilee. And uh, what you're looking at here, kind of down in this area, is, is one of the little cities. And you're looking at kind of the track that, that Jesus would have taken from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee. Nazareth is about 20 miles from the Sea of Galilee. Go to the next photo. There's another uh, picture, again, kind of showing that area. To the right uh, of this is the Sea of Galilee, and you'll see that in a little bit. But this is kind of the, the track, and we kind of wonder if Jesus didn't come up on Mount Arable to kind of look over the Sea of Galilee, because this is a great place to see. Let's go to the next one. Ah, now, there you go. That is the northern Sea of Galilee. That is the north end. Um, the city of Magdala is right down here underneath this rock where Mary came from, Mary of Magdala. Um, this pier you see here is where you catch the boats to go take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. As you go around, you'll see there's uh, Capernaum, which was kind of Jesus' headquarters. Uh, this area across here, across the top of the picture, would be where the Sermon on the Mount happened and where Jesus fed the 5,000. This little area of the Sea of Galilee is called the, the Plain of Gennesaret, and uh, it's about five miles long, two miles wide. It, it's not a very big area. There you see us all getting taught with the Sea of Galilee in the back. We had a, a lot of teaching everywhere we went. And uh, by the way, that's a pretty good climb up there. Um, the bus goes so far, and then you're going uphill quite a ways to get to the top, but everybody made it. Um, and you got to see the, the, the sights. Next one, I think there's, there's where we were on top of that. That's from the Sea of Galilee off of one of the boats. Um, where we were standing is right there at the top, right at that point. So you can see it's kind of high up. And uh, it's beautiful. Uh, you can see it's beautiful, beautiful scenery. I think that's the last one, right? Yeah, Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about this area. The, the, of, uh, it, it's, uh, the Sea of Galilee is fed by the Jordan River and the springs that, of the northern part of Israel. They all flow in there. Uh, Nazareth is about 20 miles. The major cities that were along there are Tiberias, which still is in existence. Um, then there were the cities that Jesus did so much ministry in. Capernaum, uh, Bethsaida, uh, that other one? Oh yeah, Chorazon. All those cities, Jesus cursed because he did so many great miracles in them and nobody, they just didn't believe. They didn't accept. They, so those cities are all ruins now, whereas Tiberias and several of the other little towns around that area are still going. Again, the Magdala's there where Mary came from, and most of Jesus' ministry was done in that very small area. And it is a very, very small area. Uh, 
kind of like if you take Port Charlotte and Punta Gorda, those two areas together, or maybe Charlotte County, it's less than what's in Charlotte County. It's small. And he spent 80 to 90% of his ministry was there. And then the few things in Jerusalem and stops on the way. But it was all in that little bit of an area on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee in a little country called Israel that's very, very insignificant. By the way, the, uh, almost all the uh, apostles came from that area around Capernaum. That's where Peter and James and John, uh, he found Matthew collecting taxes there. Kind of unlikely people that, that Jesus used. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of, that's one of the things that will really hit you when you go to Israel. It's really a small country. And then when you go to that area around the Sea of Galilee, it is a nut, it's just, it's just small. And it makes you wonder how God chose this small area to launch the greatest movement, the greatest message, his plan from this small, insignificant And he used insignificant people. This morning, I want you to know that God uses little things to do great things. God uses little things to do great things. Uh, we're going to be in, in mostly in Mark 6, but let me give you a verse. Um, John 6, verse 9 says this, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? We're going to be talking about the, the feeding of the 5,000, which happened on the, on the banks there next to the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, it's not a salt sea, it's a lake. And it's not even that big of a lake. Okay, we have a lot bigger lakes here. Uh, just just over there a little ways, um, Lake June is about the same size. If you look like Lake Placid, Lake, I think Lake East is bigger. And Lake Okeechobee is much, much bigger than the Sea of Galilee. Or they also call it a lake of Gethsemane. Listen. God uses little things to do great things. Five loaves, two fishes to feed 5,000. Uh, Micah 5, 2. But thou Bethlehem, Impressa, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. God chose Bethlehem, a very small village in a very small country for the birth of the Savior of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking and he, he's explaining to the Corinthians quite a few things in his introduction. And he starts with this. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. He goes on, he talks about the foolishness of preaching that, that, that saves those who believe. If you talk to any communication people, they'll tell you that what I'm doing right now is a very ineffective means of communication. Yeah, man, you get more off of TV 
probably if I showed a video, you'd retire more. Um, but God chose the foolishness of preaching to bring people to him. It goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 1 and, and verse 27, uh, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Here's the point I want to get to you. Whether it's small or foolish, God has used a small region and a small country, ordinary people, to change the world. He used something, he used a death on a cross to redeem us all. You see, he, he sent his son to that little town of Bethlehem, who was, Jesus was born there, he grew up, he ministered for three and a half years, mostly in that upper Galilee and little towns, lots of people coming through there. He did incredible miracles. He chose several people, plain, ordinary, fishermen, tax collectors, rebels. He told just a whole bunch of unlikely people who turned the world upside down. And you know what? He's chosen you and I to do the miracles, the remarkable, the unbelievable, because he uses us. He uses those little things. I know I'm not so little, but I've been fed well. I eat really well over there. <laughs> he also chose the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of his son to make us right with him. That's not an insignificant thing, but it happened in a very insignificant place if you look as the world looks. Kind of interesting, even today, how much that little country, that little place, how much that affects the whole world. You see, God has chosen the little things to do great things. When Gabriel uh, went to Mary and told her of God's plans for her, for her he, he had to strengthen her faith. And, and remember what the angel said? He said, for with God, nothing is impossible. I think we need to be reminded of that today. You see, God really wants to use you, and he wants to use me, and he can, because he, nothing is impossible for him. I want you to also notice now, this, now we're back in Mark, Mark uh, uh, 6, verse 34. So then Jesus, when he came out and saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. I want you to notice here that, that in this passage uh, about these 5,000 men, not counting the children and the women, that there are incredible needs. There are great needs among the people. Every gospel has a, every one of the gospels has, a re, has this story recorded in it. Matthew, he says this, Matthew 14, 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Luke said, and the people, when they knew it, followed him and received them 
and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and he healed them that had need of healing. There was tremendous needs there. Do you realize there's tremendous needs among the people here today? People sitting here. There's health needs. There's financial needs. There's emotional needs. There are spiritual needs. And you know, when Jesus fed those 5,000, he took care of all of those needs. He fed them bread and fish. I wonder what it tastes like. Just a thought. He took care of their spiritual needs. He took care, he also healed them physically and probably mentally and emotionally. You see, he took care of every one of those needs, and, and there are great needs around us. We got to help a lady yesterday who has a great need of a stable home for her child. They've lived in their car several times. They've rented rooms from people who have used and abused them awfully. And, and that's just the beginning. We're getting ready to go back to Good News Club. The stories we hear from children there are heartbreaking. And we hear those same stories as we work with the, the middle school kids, which, wow, this last week was unbelievable. Uh, we had 91 kids for wildlife. Yeah, great, but there's only four of us. Um, about four of the people who were supposed to help us couldn't help us. And let me tell you, you it, it's chaos. All you can do is just manage to keep them kind of in a, oh, it's awful. <laughs> Wild is really the operative word there. Um, four people to keep 91 middle schoolers kind of in line and playing games and then trying to get a message. Whew. Let me tell you, you, we need to pray for workers that we can get in there. Um, it, it, it's, uh, but the needs there are amazing. The needs in the high school. We were out at the, the football game Thursday night. Oh, two lightning delays. It was crazy. And then the team lost in the last minute and 30 seconds, something like that. There were a lot of needs after that. A couple kids felt really bad that it was their fault, and some of the coaches may have said something they shouldn't have said, and there were needs. They're all around us. And God wants to use us to meet needs. So this is where I want you to go. God, we must allow God to use us. Ah, we think we're small. We think we have no skills. We don't have any ability. We don't. God can use anything and anyone. He uses the little things to do great things. Here, let me, uh, let me give you some things this morning on how God can use us. How we can, we, what we have to do to allow God to use us. First thing. If we want God to use us, if we want to allow God to use us, we have to give Jesus everything we have. John 6, 9. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Those five loaves and those little fishes fed 5,000. Well, really, let's count the women and children. If each of those 5,000 men had a wife, that's 10,000. 
and you just had a kid, that's 15000 Probably a whole lot more than 15000 And there were baskets left over. Oh, abundance of baskets and things left over. What an incredible thing. You see, that little boy gave all he had, and boy, he got a whole back, lot given back to him, too, at the end. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, and neither said any of them that ought to of the things which he possessed was his own, and they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors, uh, possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and the distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see, Barnabas gave everything he had. These other folks at the early church gave everything they had. Now, understand, let me give you just a little bit of the context. I don't want you to get it out, uh, get it messed up. When people became Christians at that, in the early church at that time in Jerusalem, um, it cost them a lot. They could be, their family would disinherit them. There was things happening. They weren't, they may not have been able to go buy food. There was, they were, they may have been fired from their job. There was a lot of issues with that. So the church took care of each other by pooling their possessions. We don't have to deal with that in this country at this time. There may be a time that we have to do that. But we don't have to do that now. The point is, is that Barnabas gave everything he had to be used for God, and then we know the rest of the story about Barnabas, how he went with Paul on missionary journeys, how he, he helped, he was a peacemaker between the church and, 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 and bringing the Gentiles, and actually a peacemaker between the church and, and Paul, Saul who became Paul. We know that, that he, God used him in mighty ways and he get, because he gave it all. Listen, I'm not asking you to go out and sell all your stuff and bring it in for an offering. Um, unless God lays that on your heart. And if he does, we'll use it very wisely. What I am asking you is to present to Jesus your talents. You say, I don't have any talents. Sure, everyone has talents. Everybody can do something. Present to Jesus your time. We all have time. We all have the same amount of time. What are you filling it with? Oh yeah, you can present your money too. We need money. Let's not be... We have to pay for the air conditioner. We have to do things. We have to keep our buildings up. There's, there's a lot of uh, expense. So we have missionaries we need to support. So yes, money is important. But I'm going to tell you something. If you give your time and you give your talent, God has a way of supplying the, the uh, financial needs over and beyond anything we can believe, we understand. We got several checks in this last week from people who once went here. It really helped us. What a blessing that was. Were you willing to give up your time? Are you willing to give up some of your talents? 
there's a lot of people that do a lot of things here. I just saw Ben kind of slip out. <laughs> um, that's maybe good. I can talk about him a little bit. Do you guys know how much Ben Catapane does here? Do you ever have a... Okay, Ben Catapane works Good News Club. He works with the youth. He handles the computer in the back. He does a lot with the music on the, for the second service. He also works at Young Life Club, trying to reach out to teenagers. He's a teen leader. And he handles pretty much all the IT here. And he has a full-time job. That young man is pouring his life. He has presented everything. We need to appreciate him. By the way, just sometimes say thank you for all you do. He gives his time. He gives his talents. He gives his money. That's what we've asked to do. You see, a little, little poem I saw, I don't know how, it doesn't rhyme very well, but it says this, God uses what you have to fill a need which you never could have filled. God uses where you are to take you where you could never have gone. God uses what you can do to accomplish what you never could have done. God uses who you are to let you become who. Strange little poem, but that's the truth. God will use you. He wants to use you. There's no talent that's not appreciated. Some of you have mechanical talent. Some of you have I don't know. There's people who can do all sorts of things here. And you know what? We need all sorts of things done here. And you know there's a lot of people out there that need all sorts of things done. Some of the people out here just need somebody to listen to them. We can all listen. God wants to use you. Give them what you have, your time, your talent, your treasure. Second point here, how do we uh, let God use us? Okay, we give them what we have. But also we have to organize for the work. Mark chapter 6, verse 39, uh, <clears throat> verse 39 to uh, uh, 42. He says that he commanded them to sit down by companies upon green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up into heaven, and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Isn't that amazing? It's interesting. There's this thing about organization. He had his disciples, his 12, go out and put everybody in groups. Could you imagine <laughs> you guys at the homeless, that help out at the Homeless Coalition? It gets a little chaotic when we're, we're trying to do table by table, right? And when we're, we're trying to, they, they, we used to try to get two or three plates apiece to take back to them. And then they talked to us this last week and said, just get one plate at a time, it'll go faster. And it actually does go faster because people aren't standing in line as long to wait for the next food and, and give the special orders and all the stuff. It just kind of, it will flow faster. But you know what? We have to be organized we have to be organized to, to do a great work. Can't just fly by the seat of our pants. Can't just jump in and get going. Yesterday, we, we had people painting high, people painting low, people painting in the middle. Then we had people painting with brushes on the front. And those of you guys, Bob and Bob, you guys, 
painting that, that blue stuff with a brush, they really needed a spray gun. Uh, but they were up high and painting in this really rough stuff, and uh, they did a great job on that. We were painting high, painting low. It got done. Actually, we did two coats. And then we were still finished before the time allotted, but they gave us all the time that, that we're supposed to be there. That's a blessing. It takes organization. It takes organization for us. We're, we do things by Sunday school. We're, we have been signed up, oh, really, back in the summer, I had a bunch of people sign up for different things that we were going to do. And we're in the process now of putting all those things and organize them. I think we had people organized to start bringing snacks in for our Sunday morning service. Uh, we got, we're going to be organizing for our outreach with our grow letters and our visitation and some other things that will be going on. We're organizing um, for music. We're organizing for all sorts of things so we can be effective. If you ever go to the, the football games, watch the, uh, the, the process in the um, concession stands. There's two people back. One person's doing, uh, I see you nodding your head. Yeah. Um, one person is doing uh, pretzels, and one person's doing nachos, and uh, a couple guys are cooking on the grill, and they're passing it in, and there's people wrapping it up, and there's people at the windows going back and forth, and there's one person that takes the money. Gets all the money. That was Carol this week. She got all the money. Organization. Acts chapter 6 says this. In those days, when the disciples were multiplied, there arose murmuring among the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and they said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. And it goes on and it explains that they did. They appointed the people over this business. They chose deacons. By the way, if you're a deacon, you're a server. Actually, the word means server, and in this case, they were serving widows. There wasn't a power position within the church. It, it was powerful because they were powerfully ministering. But we need help. We need people to help us. We have people that do a lot of work around here. But there's a lot of other things that need to be done here and outside of here. We need to organize so that we can be effective. In Exodus, there's the story about Moses. Moses trying to take care of everything by himself. Trying to hear all the problems. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came to Moses and said, hey, look, man, you can't do all this. Get you some people to listen to the small things, and then when it's a really big problem, they'll come to you. We have to do organize. We have to organize to accomplish the work of God. And then, more than anything, we have to depend upon the power of God. If we're going to allow God to use us, it can't be in our strength. It has to be in his strength. Mark 6, verses 41 to 44. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up into heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they that eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. You see, 
for us to accomplish anything. Oh yeah, we may have some great talents, we may have some great abilities, you may fit, but if we depend on our talents, our abilities, our money, our anything, we're destined to not finish well. If we depend on the power of God, nothing is impossible. Philippians 4, there's that verse that I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. Well, sometimes we, we, we quote that for some very interesting things, but let me give you the full context. Verse 11, Paul's writing unto the Philippians, talking about offerings that had come his way, and he was really uh, uh, thankful for that. But he says this, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me give you a little bit of application there. As you're going through very, very difficult times, as you're being persecuted, as you're having issues, as you... Uh, have lots of money or no money, whatever those things are, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. We can depend on God's power to get us through anything. Through anything. Those things that you're facing right now, those horrible things that maybe you may be staring in the face right now, through the power of God, you can get through those. Not only that, through the power of God, he can use those things and use you to minister to someone else, to help them get through that horrible thing they're facing. You see, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. Acts chapter 2 talks about Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came down and, and empowered the the. Uh, the apostles, and they preached, and people heard in their own language, not in their own language, down to their own dialect. And 3,000 people turned to Christ that day. You see, it wasn't the grand speaker, Peter. I don't know that he was that learned and spoke. He was a fisherman. The rest of the apostles, several of them fishermen, several of a tax collector. You think about these guys, when the power of God came upon them, God used those ordinary, ordinary, plain people to do extraordinary, miraculous things. You see, when you give it all to Jesus, we set up some organization and we allow God's power to come upon us, we can do great things. From a little town called Fort Charlotte and a little church, Sunshine Baptist, we can shake the world. God wants to use you. I want to be used by God. I'll kind of close with this. Tuesday night, I had some teenagers come over to the house, and 
to do a Bible study. We, we just basically, I just kind of told them my life story. And as I was telling them my life story, I, I realized what an incredible thing God has, has and is doing in my life. Because I knew where I was. And when I think about where I was, it was not a, it was not a great place. And God turned all of that around and supplied so much and, and, and allowed me to do so many things. And I think back and I'm glad that all that stuff's gone. And it just is mind-boggling that he took a guy that was messed up, really messed up, and, and allowed him to do something good. Listen, if God can use me to do something good, he can use every one of you to do something good. And he wants to use you. This morning, let him do that. Let's pray together. Father, um, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that you sent your son to be born in a little town in Israel. And Lord, that son grew to a man and ministered in a small area doing miracles, speaking of the kingdom of God, teaching people, showing them who you are. I'm thankful for that son who went to Jerusalem and who allowed his life, he gave his life that we might have life. Thank you for your power that raised him from the dead, the same power that raises us up, the new life when we receive Jesus as our Savior. And Lord, thank you for that transforming power that takes us from something that's vile and useless and makes us into something that can be used to glorify you. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us will allow you to use us and, Lord, that we will glorify you. And that people will look and say, only God can do that. Thank you that you use little things to do great things. I also pray, Father, there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, that during this time, they'll come and let us open your word and show them that incredible thing you've done for them how they can know that eternal life can be theirs. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we have a time of invitation.